Welcome to Soulful 7 special Christmas edition and I have a very, very special guest today, Clay Stoffer, who is technically my boss and has been <laughs> for 13 years, but our relationship is, means so much more than that. Um, so I count him as a very important friend in my life and a mentor. And um, I would say that probably the biggest things that I've done in the last 13 years is because of you. The first funeral I did mm -hmm. was with you. Mm -hmm. You took me to the to the graveside the first time. I think that's right when I started the job mm -hmm. at Woodmont. Yeah, when we got lost on the and way to the cemetery. And we got lost on the yep, way to the cemetery, that. which, you know, and I was probably speeding. Right. Yes, <laughs> Glad we were. didn't get a ticket. Yep, you were um, but truly, I, in my own personal life, professionally and spiritually, I would say um, I credit you for for the growth and um, you know in some ways I like want to cuss you because you made me do some really hard things. Right. Um, funerals being you know one of the most sure. difficult things, um, but I you know I speak all the time at church mm -hmm. and and I would have told you 13 years ago that's probably wasn't something that I felt comfortable with and sure. now I do it all the time. Right. Um, you have allowed me encouraged me to write and um, and you you know. You, the way you lead is you just trust us to mm -hmm. kind of explore our own interest and passions. And so I have done, I've written three books under working with you. Mm -hmm. I've um, done this blog, mm -hmm. Bread and Honey. I've started Soulful 7 Conversations and you just continue continually support me. So I'm so grateful for that. But um, also I just see you kind of as a spiritual mentor too. And um and, and I love you, Clay. Yeah, I really appreciate you. And so. I feel like um, we both have had a really difficult last week. Right. And in some ways, though, just knowing you were there made it so much easier um, yeah. with the loss of Izzy. So, well, you have, um, you have many, many gifts. And I've always just tried to um, encourage you and challenge you to use them, just like with the other staff. And yeah. Um, and you do that well. And, and you, so, you kind of, jo you joke about me being late because I'm late. <laughs> and you, here she know, is. Yeah. You're, you're, you're running in the room. It's running okay. in the room. But yeah. yeah. Lot, How many times have I run into church and tripped and like skinned my knees, elbows, yeah. trying to get to church on time? You I have mean, a lot of plates in the air. I do. So. I do. I do. <laughs> um, but anyway, this is a, you know, like I said, this is, this is the Christmas season. Mm -hmm. And so I just thought it was really important for us to talk about, um, what that means, um, yeah. what that means to our faith, um, the relevance of Christmas right mm -hmm. now and the culture and the world that we live in. Mm -hmm. And especially when we're both kind of in that place of um, grief and yeah. so many people right now have arrived at Christmas and, you know, they've either lost someone, you know, just recently or mm -hmm. they lost someone really important to them years ago, but it's still right. this brings, brings it all up. Right. So, um, we have a lot to talk about. Okay. Are you ready? Let's get started. Okay. Yeah. I love that I'm in charge. Yeah. I know. I'll, follow, <laughs> I'll follow your You're lead. You're going to follow Okay. So, you know, I always start Soulful 7 questions just, you know, with a pretty big question, but how do you know that God exists? Hmm. How do I know that God exists? Mm -hmm. So the easy questions first, huh? Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I believe that God exists because I experience God, but my understanding of God is, has changed and evolved over the years, but I can't imagine living a life, um, where I didn't believe that God exists, mm -hmm. but yet 
in each stage of my life, I feel like my understanding grows deeper and deeper. And it's not the same today as it was five years ago, as it was 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, so, um, I believe that God exists because, um, because I, I experience God, I communicate with God. And, and then ultimately, which is a part of your Christmas question, I, I believe that God exists because of the person of Jesus Christ. So my theology has always been very Christocentric, um, influenced by guys like Karl Barth and um, uh, Jürgen Moltmann, um, John Calvin. Um, I believe that Jesus Christ is God incarnate, God in the flesh. And, and, and so for me, uh, and for I think most Christians, Christ is the bridge between humans and God. Mm -hmm. And so everything that Christ uh, represents, um, love and compassion and kindness, um, looking out for the least of these, um, I believe that, 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 that that's, what, that's God's priority. That's what God is calling us to do. Uh, to be more loving, to love others as we uh, love ourselves, to show compassion, to show mercy, to look out for the least of these. So um, all of that to say, I believe that God exists because I experience God and then my relationship with God comes through Christ. Okay, so give me some examples of ways that you've experienced God. Um, I would say... Uh, th there's lots of examples. Um, obviously, you know, being out in nature, um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you go, you go out west and you're in the mountains or you go to the beach. You know, our family goes to the beach a lot and, and you stand at the ocean and, and you just think, wow, this is this, you know, this can't be by chance. Right. Mm -hmm. The sunsets and um, and just the, the beauty of creation. I would also say just by looking at other people. And seeing that everybody is made in God's image, um, you know, wonderfully and uniquely made. Um, I just uh, look at you uh, quoting Psalm 139. I love I just it. Can't, I can't. I, I, I can't believe that it's all by chance. Mm -hmm. um, but there's still a lot of things that I don't understand. Mm -hmm. You know, there's still a lot of things that don't make sense. I, um, you mentioned, you know, we we lost a close friend um, just a few days ago, last week, and. Um, and, and why a young mother with three children and a great husband, why her life has to be cut off short. We, we can't make sense of that. And so, so the question that we all wrestle with, which is the question of why, is the question that Philip Yancey says will never go away. And it doesn't go away. And we wrestle with it. But in the, at the end of the day, I, I, I'm not going to surrender my faith because I can't answer that question why. Well, I can remember when um, my son Charlie was diagnosed with cancer and our mutual friend Todd mm -hmm. came to the house to baptize um, Charlie mm -hmm. in our kitchen. Mm -hmm. And um, I just, you know, remember being in such a state of really just complete and utter despair and, and him saying, but what's the other choice? Do you really want to live a life where you don't believe in well, God? Well, that's right. And, and I what a scary place that is. I can't imagine living a life without faith. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, 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 I can't imagine um, just giving up on hope and giving up that, that things aren't going to get better and things aren't going to, even if it doesn't make sense to us, I can't imagine living without, without faith. And I, and I've, you know, uh, there's been times in my life when I've doubted, times in my life when I've, I've wrestled, but I've never given up on faith and given up on believing in God. And so what would you tell people, Clay? Because I think a lot of people we know right now that, that did love Izzy um, are probably having that moment of, sure. you know, you know, what did St. John say? It's the, you know, the dark night of the soul. Sure. Where this is really 
almost feels egregious that you would take sure. such a beautiful light um, from the world. Sure. What would you tell people right now? Um, well, first I would say you, you, you hug and surround the people that are around you that love you. And we all love Alex and um, the three children. Um, and I would say that we're not going to get an, uh, you know, an adequate answer to the question other than what we know about cancer that cells multiply. And, and Issy would be the first person who said, I, I didn't pay attention to my body. I, I didn't detect it early enough when she could have dealt with it early on. Right. And, um, and, and so that, that was part of what she gave her life to, the, you know, once she knew that she's stage four and that things were looking good, she wanted other people to you know go to the doctor and pay attention. But I would tell the people that are, that are grieving, um, First, I would say that, that, you know, Issy's now in a better place and she's at peace and, and we're the ones left grieving because we miss her right. and because we loved her. And, um, and so we're the ones that are, that are hurting, but I think Issy is very much present this Christmas. I mean, she's spending her first Christmas in heaven. Right. And, um, and so I, I think that, that what we have to remember or what I would tell everybody, whatever minded myself and, um, is that we're not promised tomorrow. Um, we, we sometimes live life like we're going to be here forever. We take tomorrow and next week for granted, but we're not promised that. We don't know what life is going to bring. And so, um, so one of her messages, you know, was, was, um, was just live every day right. and be present and be thankful. Right. And I think she did that, um, especially, you know, this past year. Right. For sure. For sure. So if you had to introduce God as you know God, how would you do that? Well, for me, as a, for, as a Christian, I would I would first say that that um, that, that you know that I I know God through the person of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. That for me, you know, Jesus Christ is the human embodiment of God, God incarnate, God in human form. Mm -hmm. So I have to start with that because without that, um, I feel like it, it, it it's it's really difficult to start. Yeah. Um, but but. On top of that, I think that the Trinity, and I consider myself Trinitarian, um, the Trinity for me has always uh, left room for the mystery of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Um, that, that basically, uh, that, that God cannot be put into a box. God cannot be, uh, you know, viewed as just this or just that. That, that. that, you know, it's in God that we live and move and have our being as we read in Acts. And, um, and so I would say that to, to people that sometimes the problem is that our God is too small. Mm -hmm. We try to pigeonhole God. You know, J.B. Phillips wrote that great book called Your God is Too Small. Um, and, and I think sometimes we need to expand our understanding of God. It's in God that we live and move and have our being. There's nowhere where we can go where God isn't. Um, so for me, I start with Christ, but then it goes from there. And it includes the, the Holy Spirit, which is the most neglected part of the Trinity. Which I love um, the Holy Spirit because I right. feel like the Holy Spirit is what, you know, works in you and works in me. That's and right. it is kind of that living hope that is in me is That's the right. Holy Spirit. And it's, it's what allows me to believe. It's what allows me to try to help people heal. Give hope is right. the Holy Spirit. Well, and through the power of prayer, we believe that the Spirit is alive. And right. even though we can't explain exactly how prayer works, we do feel like when we pray, we know it makes a difference. Right. We know that so something is going on. Because I'm reading the Corrie Ten Boone's memoir right now, mm -hmm. and you know she's the she was the I think she was Dutch, and she um, 
she and her family were Christian. They were mm -hmm. Protestants and they, you know, let Jews stay with them in their right. house and hit right. them. And then they got caught and they right. were put into the, into the concentration camps and she lost her sister. But one of the things she, I read last night actually, is she said, um, is prayer your steering wheel or your, um, spare tire? Mm, interesting. Which I thought was so, because I think that if I'm honest, I think prayer is probably more my spare tire. Sure. Especially in the busy life that I live, I, right. I feel like that that really it should be my steering wheel, and I think that I put it back, and it's the it's the spare tire. Well, and Sunday we lit the the second candle on the Advent wreath, which is a candle for peace, and and one of the things that I have really come to believe is that um, it's going to be hard to find peace in this world if you don't pray. And Jesus said, "My peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I don't give to you as the world gives." And, um, and I think that if we don't slow down, if we don't uh, take the time to be still, to be quiet, to reflect, to pray, which means not just asking God for things, but also listening to what God has to say, because communication is a two-way street, then, um, you know, we're going to have a hard time finding peace. And so Especially I think that, that peace beyond understanding. The, that right? peace of past understanding. And mm -hmm. I think that, that, you know, we, our culture, and you know, I've talked about this a lot, but our culture celebrates busyness and multitasking. And, and we really, you know, you see people, how have you been? I'm so busy. And we, we kind of say, oh, that's great. You're doing a lot of things. Mm -hmm. But busyness does not lead to peace. And busyness all the time leads to not having peace all the time. Well, it's so funny you say that because I just had my, my best friend, Anne from Birmingham just stayed with us mm -hmm. and she came into the house and she was just so peaceful mm -hmm. and just, and she, and she said, Oh, I'm just having the calmest, most peaceful Christmas season. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. well, good for you. Good Cause for I'm you, having Anne. the exact opposite. Yeah, my my you, Christmas Anne. feels a little nutty and I was right. envious because I, I would love to, be the person that walks into a room and says, oh, I'm just so peaceful. Right. But I think um, sometimes we, 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 sometimes life makes things chaotic, you know, right. when you have just so much going on, but other times we, we plan it that way and we, we take on too much and we overload to where we, we can't do everything. And then, you know, we, we make ourselves miserable. We wear ourselves out and then you get into conversations about self-care especially in the ministry and other caring professions. How do you take care of yourself, <clears throat> excuse me, so that you have something to pour out to other people? And I've learned, kind of come to believe over time that, you know, self-care is not selfish, especially right. if you're in the caring profession, that if you don't have anything to pour out, if you don't fill your own cup, then you can't do ministry. You Which is across the board, though. People. That's like for parenting. That's right. That's for working in medicine. It's for, right. it's across the board that if we don't, you know, take care of ourselves. But I think we do, we feel selfish taking care of ourselves, or at least That's I right. do. I mean, I'm the last person sure. that I take care of. And right. um, usually, you know, I can go for a while on the highway and mm -hmm. then I just, you know, stop in my tracks. Oh, well, I've had to work hard over the years to find a rhythm, to find a rhythm when it comes to preaching, to find a rhythm when it comes to, you know, to counseling and how many appointments can you take on to find a rhythm when it comes to writing, to build your, my schedule in a way where I, I, you know, I have 
built-in time to recharge, right. to rest, to read. You know, to you know when you when you preach and teach and write uh, for a living, you have to read constantly. Right. Um, you know, or you won't have any material. Right. And so, if you're too busy to do that, then that's going to be a problem. It does. It and limits your creativity. That's right. Sure. But it also, you know, nurturing your own soul. How can you talk to other people? Um, about caring for the soul if you don't care for your soul. Mm -hmm. You know, Eugene Peterson, who passed away not too long ago, said, he, he once said, I, I don't want a busy pastor. He said, I, I want a pastor who knows how to care for his or her soul. Right. Because why do I want somebody who's stressed out and busy all the time telling me how to care for my soul when they're not doing the same, the same thing? Right. And so I think sometimes we forget that. And, and, um, and so, you know, so boundaries are important and saying no is important and prioritizing is important. If you can't get to everything, then what are the, what are the, the most important things to get to in a given day? Right. Okay, so you just mentioned um, the soul, and the soul is something that I'm very interested in, mm -hmm. um, especially being in the ministry and especially, you know, walking with people, you know, when the body proves fragile, right? Um, when there are, you know, the passing of life. Right. And, um, and so the soul to me is the part of us that I want to believe lives forever. Right. Right. And it's the part of us that is God in us, and um, it's the best in us. Right. Um, and so I want to believe, really want to believe sure. that that part of me, sure. and not in a selfish way, like Beryl should live forever, right. but that, that part of me that is of God, that, that would in some way, and I don't know what that will look like. Mm -hmm. I don't know what heaven will look like, mm -hmm. what that next part of the journey, mm -hmm. but I'm just curious, like when you think about the soul, yeah. what does that mean to you? So. So uh, you and I have both been with people before when they passed and, and, and I'll never ever get used to being with somebody, you know, who's there, you know, in their body one minute and the next minute their body's there, but they're not there. Right. And I'm convinced that the soul lives on, that the soul moves to another realm, um, that the soul goes to heaven. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm convinced that we, we shed our bodies, mm -hmm. um, you know, more and more people are, are being cremated now because the, the body is just a, it's an earthly vessel. And, and, and most of the times when life is over, it's, you know, it's good riddance and the soul moves on. And so mm -hmm. I, I believe that the soul moves on and that it goes on to that, to that next realm. And the only people that have really kind of given an account for that are people that have had these near death experiences or written about them. You know, they start the transition, they see themselves on the operating table, you know, but mm -hmm. there is some kind of a transition that happens. Right. And, um, and those of us that are still on this side of, of death are, are still, um, are, are, you know, we, we, we still wonder what it will be like, but I do believe that the soul moves on and the body stays behind. And for people who've had cancer or, um, terrible diseases or, you know, physical abnormalities, then, you know, the, good riddance to the body and the right. soul moves on right. and right. goes to that next realm. But, but trying to explain that on this side of death is really difficult. I know. I think it was Einstein that said that, um, it's, it's impossible for the human mind to conceive what eternity is. Right. Right. That's and so right. it's that same idea that we, we use the word eternity, but we actually cannot process what that, what that means. Yeah. And it's the same thing, I guess, a little bit with the soul, other than there are times, and you know, I think about Izzy's life, I think of what you do in the ministry, I think of just looking at one of my children, where it's just so clear that there's a part of us that is 
of God. Right. You know, there is a part of us that is so beautiful, so perfect, Mm -hmm. um, so redemptive, so transcendent that you just know that there, there is something more about us. That's right. And I'm holding to it. That's right. right? I'm holding to it. I mean, Paul says, you know, now we see in a mirror dimly, then we will see face to face, you Mm -hmm. know, and, and, and so it's, yeah, we're, you know, that, that phrase that uh, people have said that we're, we're not human beings having a spiritual experience. We're spiritual beings having a human experience. Right. I love that. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, that's getting to the heart of the soul and what the, the soul, soul is. Right. But what's, what's interesting is that a lot of people um, don't believe or at least don't act in a way as though they feel it's important to take care of the soul, to nurture mm-hmm. the soul. Um, and, and when we are living in this world that, you know, your body and soul are still together. And so you also have to take care of the body. You can't be exhausted. You can't be worn out, you know, um, and those two things go together in this life. Eat and heart, so, healthy food. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exercise. Right. That's right. Like all these That's things. Right. All, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to talk about food. Okay. But, uh, yeah, yeah. We'll save that for another one. Oh, I know. Clay doesn't week. like my green drinks and my salads. Uh, <laughs> you know, Pharaoh likes food that keeps you hungry. And, and, you know, you leave going, okay, now no. where are we really going to go eat lunch? Clay, right. you're so bad. <laughs> you're so bad. Um, with that said, though, If you were to have the opportunity that we will probably have the opportunity, you know, Paul says that one day we will see God face to face. Right. What would you ask God? What would you say to God? Hmm. I guess the the most obvious uh, question that comes to mind is the, is the question, you know, that we wrestle with so much on earth. And that is why, right? This question of why do certain things have to happen, you know? And, but on top of that, I guess I might say, well, you know, why and, 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 and how were we supposed to make sense of it when we were humans? Right. Because we couldn't come up with any answers that were adequate. And maybe then it'll all be crystal clear, crystal clear to and we'll us. we'll be like, goodness gracious, right. Vera, what a knucklehead you but, were. But right now, we, right. We, we, we don't understand. And right now, we, we wrestle with those questions of why. So, Clay, why do you think we're here? I mean, do you think there is this master plan and when God gave us the first breath, Hmm. marked us as belonging to him, you know, said that we're made in his image, that that we each have this mission, that that, that we are part of this unfolding story. We have a job to do here. Well, you've heard that quote that there's the two most important days of your life are the day that you're born and the day that you figure out why. And some people live their entire life and they never figure out why they're here. And, and, um, so I think that there's, there's lots of answers to that question, but I do think that everybody needs to wrestle with that question. Mm-hmm. Um, um, uh, How but, do we figure out why we're here? Well, last and night, what we're supposed to do here. last night at the lecture with uh, Robert George and Cornell West, the question of vocation came mm-hmm. up and vocation is very different from job. It's very different from, you know, what you want to do. Vocation is, you know, what is your calling? What is your passion? And then how do you align that with, with, you know, being in the world? And ultimately they lifted up service. You know, we're here to serve, serve other people. Um, Jesus would say, we're here to love God and love our neighbor. Um, we're here to live out the golden rule. We're, we're here to leave the world better than we found it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I I think that, you know, there's the quote, Identify what makes you come alive and then go and do that because what the world needs, that's Thurman, right? What the world needs are more people who've come alive and they're, they're tied into what they're called to do. Right. And yet, yet what's interesting is we now live in a time 
where so many people are, um, are lonely, they're confused, they're empty, they don't have meaning. Um, and, and so the last thing on their mind is, is, you know, what am I here to do? They don't know the answer to that question. I do think that as human beings, we are social creatures. So one of the things that we're called to do is connect, connect with people. Yeah. That, you know, I'll go back to Jonathan Haidt gives us three, uh, kind of definitions of happiness. Happiness comes from getting and consuming happiness comes from within the Buddhist approach. But then he says, ultimately, no, both of those are inadequate. Happiness comes from between. It comes from connection. It comes from networks. It comes from the the, the, the life that you build uh, with other people and the meaning that comes from your relationships, right? So, um, so that's one thing I think about. You know, I think about our friend Issy. Is she was really, really good at building relationships, she and she made the effort to get to know people. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and a lot of people forget to do that. They forget yeah. that if you want to have friends in life, you got to go be a friend. You got to actually get outside of yourself and go check on and see how other people are doing. Right. right. And um, so I think those are some of the answers, but some people never figure it out. And what would you tell, what would your advice be for someone that is getting ready to go into 2020 and they do feel kind of stuck and they do feel like, Maybe they're feeling a little ragged. They don't feel like their their job is a vocation. Right. That they're struggling to feel like they are contributing some way in a bigger way right. in the world. Well, I, I think that I've always been a big fan of resolutions or New Year's goals because I think the new year is always a time to kind of recalibrate right. and to say, okay, what do I want to do this year? You know, we do that as a church and I think people should do it in their own lives. But, um, I think marriages too. Absolutely. I think, I think, yeah, I think a lot of, a lot of marriages get put on cruise control, especially when, when kids come into the picture, right? right? I mean, you Mm -hmm. and I see that all the time that people have been married and they seems like they have a great marriage, but all their time and energy has gone into raising the kids and they didn't make each other a priority and Mm -hmm. they're just kind of coexisting. And, um, so I think the new year is a time to say, okay, what are my priorities going to be in 2020? And, you know, I like the number three. It's a, it's a good number. So what are the three most important things in my life that I'm going to focus on? And then how am I going to make sure that my time and my energy aligns with those priorities? Right. I mean, that's the law. You know, John Maxwell's had a big in, impact on me. The law of priorities. You know, are you allocating your time to the things that you say are most important? Many of us say, here's what's important to me. But then when you look at our time and our money and our, you know, our energy, it doesn't align with the priorities. And, um, and that's unfortunate. So I don't know. I mean, I just feel like life is, it is so short. We are getting older. Sure. We can't reel it back. And, and we don't know how many days, weeks, months, years that we had, we have ahead of us. So it is this sense of intentionality of saying, you know, this is really what does make me feel good. This is where I feel like I am making a difference. And, and I also would say to that, you know, and this is countercultural, but I think less is more. That's right. You know, I think that, and I'm you. You'll be the first to say that I'm. <laughs> I'm not good at that. Yeah. I'm usually the one that says yes, 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 right. yes, yeah, yes. And I know. More. So 2020, I, I think that that's probably one of the things I should be more intentional about is is less is more. And where do I want to make a significant contribution? Where do I want people to feel my presence? Yeah. And in a good way. Um, well, of course that's children for both of us cause we both sure. have big families. Right. Um, but well, I, don't... I think, you know, I mean, you know, the, for me, it's always, it's, it's faith, family, friends, and you and I are fortunate 
to where our work mm -hmm. and our faith intertwine. Right. Now, the ministry is not always spiritual. Yeah, sometimes and that makes it more difficult. Yeah, it can be very taxing and yeah. very exhausting, to right? Do that. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, um, but but naming the things that are most important in our life and then making sure that we are living those out and, and actually putting them in order. If we right. say it's faith, family, and friends, and what are we doing to grow in our faith? What are we doing to, you know, to spend intentional time with our children? Right. Um, you know, what are we doing to, to, to nurture the existing friendships that we have and also to make new friends? And sometimes I think we take all of those things for granted. We take mm -hmm. our faith for granted. We take our family for granted. We take our fr friends for granted. And, and we got to stop doing that. Um, but I also think we, we have to, one of the, the concepts of less is more is that we have to cut ourselves some slack and not put so much pressure, pressure. on ourselves to do everything. Right. You know, I mean, I think, uh, but we live in an Instagram world where right. everything you're, you are supposed to live this perfect, beautiful, you know, right. life all the time. Well, and you know, you it's know, just how, so not real. you know how I feel about social media. Yeah. Right? I mean, well, I'm kind I, of with you on social media. I'm I mean, I pop in and I pop out. Right. Um, cause I do think, you know, there's so many podcasts that I love and right. I think there are some good well, things about it, but there's so many, it helps you keep up with people. Right. right. But it also, everybody's putting their best out there and it looks like everybody's life is so glamorous. I think about it, it's kind of like uh, Christmas cards you get, right? I love one of my favorite top parts of Christmas is, uh, getting Christmas cards in the mail. Cause Megan and I, between the two of us have lived a lot of different places and gone to graduate school and lived in different parts of the country. So you get all of these cards in and you see people at the beach and you see them in the mountains and you see them so happy. But what those Christmas cards don't talk about are the things that have happened throughout the year that have been incredibly difficult. Right. The painful divorce, the loss of a friend, a miscarriage, the financial hardships, you know, we just put, you just see the good. And that's right. kind of like social media. Nobody really posts, Hey, I'm really having a horrible week right now. Right. You know, they say, look at my family. And, and so I think that we just have to be realistic and know that, that uh, life is not perfect right. and, and people do struggle and, and, you know, that question of, is there more happiness and joy in life than sadness? Um, I'd like to think so, but there's certainly times for people when they don't think so. And some people have to suffer way more than their fair share. For sure. For sure. Okay. So do you have any absolute truths that, that ground you that are you know, as Tillich says, is the grounding of your being sure. that you just know these are the, these are the pillars yeah. that keep me standing and, and allow me to be, you know, a strong and faithful person in the world. What so, would those be? Well, so you've, you've heard me over the years. I, I, I preach a sermon in January that's kind of called this, I believe, and it's my core beliefs. And so for me, I would go back to that. I believe in God, um, father almighty maker of heaven and earth. Um, I believe in love. I believe that ultimately we're here to love, you know, to give love and receive love. Um, I believe in Jesus Christ. Um, I believe in marriage, home and family life. Um, and I, and I think one of the most unfortunate uh, things about our culture is that that is the, the, the breakdown of the family on multiple socioeconomic levels, not just in one part has, has really, um, made life challenging for many people. Mm -hmm. And um, so, but, so I believe in the importance of marriage, home and family life. I believe parents have one of the most important roles to play um, when it comes to preparing their children. Um, I believe in the golden rule. 
Um, I, you know, I mean, that's such a basic teaching, but it's if you take Jesus's, you know, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says in the Sermon on the Mount, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I mean, some people would be dumbfounded to experience their actions or their words that right. they put, put towards other people. Right. And so I think that the golden rule is a great way to live life. So those are a few things, you know, I, I do believe in the power of prayer. Um, and, um, you know, I also believe in free will. Um, I don't believe that we're puppets. Uh, I do think God gives us opportunities and there are definitely God moments that align in life. But I believe that we are participating in the unfolding narrative of life and we make decisions some good decisions, some bad decisions. And I'm also convinced that we miss opportunities that are right in front of us. that We're too busy or stressed or worried to take advantage of them. So I believe in free will too. No, that's good. Yeah. The missing God though. I think that in the culture right. that we live in right now, I think so many people are like, Oh, you know, spiritual people aren't as spiritual. People aren't going to church people. And I think it's because People have allowed, they've, they've like followed the tidal wave of culture. Sure. And so, which tells us to, you know, be, do, right. you know, accumulate more, more, and more. Right. Right. And um, we've talked about the busyness. And, and so I think we do. I think if we would slow down and, and, and be more aware, mm -hmm. I think God is speaking to us. Mm -hmm. I think I miss it all the time. Well, I mean, I'm just such a knucklehead. I think I miss it. <laughs> you know? I think we all miss it. I think it's part of being human. It's part of, you know, um, being busy and attending to all the responsibilities that we have. But we need to, a, a problem we have in Western culture is we are not present. Right. You know, we, we are, we are, we are doers. We are achievers. We have lists. Right. And so we don't stop long enough to be present. And frankly, some people don't want to. Mm -hmm. because they have to sit and be still with their own thoughts and their own feelings. And that terrifies them. Right. And I think that's a problem. You know, I think and that's we a feel problem irrelevant. as well. And I think that's the thing in the, in our culture, we, you're supposed to always be relevant. And so right. that idea of stopping, taking time. So, so to segue into Christmas, you know, the, one of the things that has spoken to me this season mm -hmm. is each of the main characters in the Christian narrative mm -hmm they actually did stop and mm -hmm. they noticed. Mm -hmm. And I think they could have very easily not noticed, mm -hmm. you know, the star, mm -hmm. the angel Gabriel, mm -hmm. um, the interaction of the different people, whether it's the innkeeper or it's the menagerie of animals or it's the angels in the sky for the shepherds. Mm -hmm. Whatever happened over 2,000 years ago, yeah. those key people in the story, they stopped, they stopped. and they noticed. Right. And then after they noticed and they were blown away, like, mm -hmm. oh my goodness, God is actually speaking and is, right. is, has his hand in this story. Right. They then acted. Right. And it changed their life forever. Well, and like Matthew and Matthew's gospel, you know, there's two basic accounts of the birth narrative. There's Matthew and there's Luke and then God. Um, John has a beautiful uh, narrative of the incarnation. But Matthew says that the wise men, um, after they came to Bethlehem and they saw the baby, that they went home by another road. And so depending on how you want to read the Bible, they might have just gone home a different way because they didn't want Herod to find them. But they also were changed and they mm -hmm. and they they changed their life. And I think kind of going back to the New Year's question, I mean, Christmas should not leave us the same, even though we celebrate it every year. It should mm -hmm. change us. We, we need to start 2020 um, you know, by another road, not that we, you know, can everything that we've done, but, but we need to do new things and try new things and, and cut out some old things. And so, you know, change in life is healthy. It's good. Mm -hmm. Um, they went home by another road 
And that means that they weren't the same after they encountered uh, the Christ child. Yeah, and I think we have to, um, well, we have to be unselfish and we have to be vulnerable and we have to believe. Mm-hmm. You know, those three things, we have to, to, to encounter some sort of divine presence, mm-hmm. you know, in our lives. And then that changes because I do mm-hmm. think you can run right through Christmas. Oh, sure. You know, well, and actually, if I confess, I mean, I think there have been Christmases that I have run right through it. Yeah. And f- this Christmas feels very poignant to me and right. it feels um, especially tender sure. because Izzy is... Izzy kind of is that Christmas star telling us, you know, whoa, 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 whoa. You get this one beautiful life. Right. You know, and I promise you God is there. So honor the life and honor God and live it in a beautiful, worthy way. Yeah. Christmas is about, you know, hope, peace, joy, and love. But the irony is we fill our calendars. We fill our schedules. We have all these things to do. that By the time Christmas actually gets here, we're so exhausted and and yeah, we and we and we missed we missed it. We missed it. We absolutely. I know. Missed I think it. it's why on December twenty sixth, everybody has this complete like, ah, oh, right. you know. That's right. Whereas actually, what we should be feeling on the twenty sixth is elated. Right. You know, we should right. be like, oh my gosh, it's like I have all this, um, you know, nothing is impossible with God, and all I have all this in front of me, that, right. that all these possibilities. Yeah. And we feel, we feel worn out and exhausted, yeah. you know, especially if you, if you work in the church, <laughs> yeah, you are you, worn out and you're exhausted because it's been really busy. But right. I think that we, yeah, we, we don't, um, we don't slow down to just take it all in, take it you know, in. I mean, yeah. one of the best walk through Bethlehem's, uh, um, one year it was snowing and the crowd was, it was like half the crowd, which right. I, I People would might want to argue over how many people came through Walk Through Bethlehem. The answer is for me is the same, thousands. thousands. Don't argue over it. But this one year it was snowing and the crowd was really small. And I remember just walking out in the stable and, and seeing the snow fall everywhere. And that was that was an incredibly peaceful moment. And we don't have many moments like that. Right. You know? Um, you maybe know, that's what we maybe that's actually the message today, Clay, is that what we should be searching for is where can we find those peaceful moments? Well, I think so. You, what does that look like? You How have to have find those? them along the way. You right. know, you can't put it off until okay. I'll, after I get all of these things done, then I'll have it. No, you have to find it along the way. If you don't have peace in your life now, then you're not going to have it in a couple of weeks or next year. So you have to find it along the way. And it also, I, I believe, it's a decision that you make, right? Um, where you say, "I'm going to." Uh, find inner peace and I'm not going to let other people or other situations take it away from me. Right. And so when Jesus said, you know, um, you know, he said, my peace, I'll leave with you. My peace, I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. I think he was saying the world cannot and will not give you peace. Right. So you have to get it on your own. You have to find it. And, and, And you cannot sit around and wait for somebody else or some circumstance to align for you to have peace. You have to make a decision to cultivate it in your own heart. Right. And many people don't do that. Right. It's so true. It's so true. It's, it's, I don't know. It's just, it's like two different ways of living. So you either yeah, live right. that peaceful path and, um, you know, which you do, it's, it's an intentionality thing. And isn't, I, I wish I could say, especially in, in the life that I live with six children and writing and ministry and all those things that, you know, it is, I can't just snap my fingers either. Right. And, um, you know, it happened. 
You know, for me, I go to the woods. That's my, yeah. I have you know, to, I have nature. to, I like Jesus. I have to like actually extricate myself right. from my life. Right. Get away. Um, or it doesn't have, it's very difficult for me to have it happen in, in, the, in the topsy-turviness of my life. So sure. I have to intentionally step away. And, well, and if you read the people, you read the gospels, you can see how many times Jesus did that. He right. was doing that all the time. All you know, the time, he went to right. the mountain. He went to the wilderness. He went, you know, he went away. That's how he started his ministry. And so, um, there's something to be said about that because it's really hard to find that calm in the midst of chaos, peace in the midst of the stress, right? Because you can't always escape. I mean, escaping is good and getting away is good, but sometimes you can't do that. Right. And so if you can't center yourself and pray or read scripture or, you know, for some people do yoga, you know, you have to find ways to do it in the, in the midst of your life. Right. And, and some people do that well. What are the ways that, that you well. do it, Clay? Um, so uh, I do it a number of ways. I would say I love, I, I love to read. And so, mm -hmm. I, you know, what reading, are you reading right now? Uh, a lot, well, right now I'm reading um, uh, a bunch of papers from Vanderbilt students. Oh, that's right. Uh, you're yeah, this a is professor at Vanderbilt I, yeah, right now. I taught, yes. I taught this fall, so uh, yeah. Right now I'm reading their papers and trying to get well, grades out. Well, that's not peaceful. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, you know it's enjoyable. Um, you know, I've, I've been reading a number of, of different books. I've, I've been going back. I was looking at uh, uh, N. T. Wright, Simply Jesus. Um, last night at the, at the lecture, I picked up uh, a couple copies of books by Robert George. So I was starting into, to one of those. Okay. Um, uh, I've also, uh, it's hard when you like, you know, I have this huge stack and, and when you actually think about it, uh, Henry Nouwen's, uh, book, Peace Work is not a very uh, thick book, but it's a great book about how we work, how we do this. You know, I mean, he actually talks about here's what you can do to find peace in your life. And, 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 and then, yeah, by the way, here are the things that, you know, where you can't find peace. Right. This Sunday, um, I'm going to preach on joy. And I love that book by the Dalai Lama and oh, Desmond Tutu. Book of Joy is yeah, my favorite. The book yeah. of Joy. And they mm -hmm. say, here are the things that keep us from joy. And here are the things where we find joy. And we need to constantly be reminded of those two lists. So I'll, you know, I'm, I'll be looking at that book uh, right. before the sermon on Sunday. Stanley well, Hauerwas. Shoot, I was going to look at that book too. Well, that's fine. <laughs> you can do that. Stanley Hauerwas is the Peaceable Kingdom. I love that. It's a Christian ethics book. So I'm, all, I'm always reading multiple. Um, but um, yeah, right now I'm grading undergraduate papers. So okay. that'll, right. that'll be over soon. So, so Clay, is there a particular character in the Christmas story this year or universally that especially speaks to you? Um. Well, I'll, I'll tell you mine. Yeah, tell me, tell me yours, because okay, so, you've obviously thought, you've thought, well, you've been thinking about that. Well, I, yeah. So, well, you know, I mean, it's pretty obvious for me, you know, it's, it's Mary. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I find, you know, I love a strong female mm -hmm. and a strong female that is brave mm -hmm. and courageous mm -hmm. and does, does things one beyond what she thought she was capable of, mm -hmm. but also contributes in such a profound way that's larger than herself. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's what Mary did. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm constantly thinking about Mary because, you know, I just think that God is constantly asking me, come on, Pharaoh, will you do this mm -hmm. for me? You know, can, and this person needs you, um, be, be me in the world in, in some ways, you right. know, please give people hope, give people love. Um, and I feel like Mary, she said yes to right. God, you right. know, and, and I worry because I think that, that 
I probably say no more than I say yes to God. Mm -hmm. um, whether it's selfishness, busyness, you know, a lack of faith, mm -hmm. um, that I don't say it enough. And so Mary consistently speaks to me. Sure. Um, it's, it's this constant inner feral, come on, nudging me. Sure. Say yes. You sure. Know, for God, you know, be, be, yeah. put yourself out there. Right. Um, yeah. That's all you wrote that. Uh, piece where you said yeah. if you could interview somebody, you love to interview Mary. I love to interview and see Mary. What was yeah. going through her mind right. and how she felt and what was happening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I was actually thinking about to. I mean, I, I wonder what was going through Joseph's mind mm -hmm. as he was taking all of this in. Right. He must right. have been scared. Uh, he must have been confused. Um, but then I think about the wise men and I think about these men, the Magi, who very affluent, you know, very comfortable. And yet they traveled this really long way to go and see the Christ child. Right. And then after they did that, their life wasn't the same. And I think sometimes God is calling us to go, you know, travel, go to a new place, a different place. And, and, you know, once we do that, you know, then our life is not the same. Some people have a hard time thinking of their life being any other way than it is right now. Right. And sometimes God is calling us to, to, to make changes. And it may not be like complete change, but to change this or that to, you know, um, and, and then sometimes changes come and we, did, we didn't ask for them and we have to adjust to them. And right. so, so I think about the wise men and, yeah, and wise that. men. So that, that's, that's, that's probably... Yeah, that's how I'd answer that question. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, too, because, you know, your life, you know, the, the wise men's lives were changed. So were all the other characters in the story, all of them, because they said, yes, their lives were changed. Sure. And I was talking to a friend who's going through a divorce, a difficult divorce right now. And this will be mm -hmm. her first Christmas where, you know, they have to change between mm -hmm. the two sure. parents and everything. And I said to him, I mean, you have to believe, though, that the best hasn't even happened yet. That's right. You know, that's what God's promise is to us. Like, hold on yeah. because, you know, I've got this life in front of you. And if you keep believing, right. really beautiful things can happen in your life. Well, and I think that's where, you know, faith and hope come in. I look, you know, faith and hope are to me kind of this two sides of the same coin. You can't have faith without hope. You can't have hope without faith. But people have to believe that things are going to be better. Right. That, that the you know that, that the pain is not going to last forever. Right. That time does heal wounds, um, and you know when things are new and they're raw, you know sometimes you tell you'll say that to people and they can't hear you. Right. But you mm -hmm. say you've got to you've got to keep going. You've got to just trust that it's not going to be this way forever. Yeah, because God um, promises that He's going to consistently. Right be renewing things, you know, well, that's so right. And I think, you know, we talk about Christmas and so Christmas is, it's fun and it's parties and it's connecting and it's being with children. It's the excitement of Santa Claus and the elf on the shelf and all that stuff. But for a lot of people, Christmas is painful right. because they've either lost somebody that they loved or they're going through a divorce, or they might just be reminiscing and thinking back to the way life used to be. Right. And so Christmas is a reminder to them that, you know, they miss the way life used to be. You know, right. they miss when their spouse was alive or they miss when their children were little or they miss when, you know, just fill in the blank. And, and so I think that Christmas is this amazing time, but there's a lot of mixed emotions that happen during Christmas. Right. And so, you know, one of my favorite things to do, you ask about finding peace. I mean, I like to sit, you know, usually after the kids are asleep, you know, Megan and I will sit in the den with the, uh, the tree on and the lights on, and we might be reading or just talking. 
you know, listen to Christmas music and just kind of be present in the moment and, and you know, and, and hear those carols that really never grow old and just be present. Yeah. And just, just, be, and just be present. Yeah. Find those pockets of peace that, that seem fleeting, but they're there. Right. So, Clay, you know that um, that I've been doing this, what it looks like to live the soulful life mm -hmm. and how we can be more intentional of living, you know, our day to day experience at being more sacred and more meaningful and full. And um, so what does that mean to you? Like, what does it mean to live the soulful life? I guess you, you call it the soulful life. I, I tend to use the language, the spiritual life. I think mm -hmm. it's the same thing. Um, I think that it means that we, we, we do what Jesus told us to do and we pay attention to the condition of our heart. So all of Jesus's teachings, specifically the Sermon on the Mount, you know, he says, you know, you've heard it was said this, but I actually tell you this. He's focusing on the state of our heart our motives. Right? right. And so I think that living the soulful life, living the spiritual life is paying attention to the state of your heart, your motivations for why you do the things that you do. Mm -hmm. And then ultimately, I, I think the litmus test is Galatians 5.22, where Paul says, you know, the, to bear good fruit, the fruits of the spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So the so maybe life, that should be our, our the list, 2020 resolution. Sure. Just put those down as but am some, I doing those? I think, but some people are, as you know, we all have one or two on that list at any given time that we need to work on. Right. And so I, you know, so I like to think of you go into 2020 and you say, okay, what are the two fruits of the spirit that I really need more of in my life? And, and, and then you make that a priority because thinking about focusing on all of them is a little bit overwhelming. But, right. but there's, we all have one or two that we really need to hone in on. So to go step back, um, how would you define faith? Because, you know, that's one of the things. I mean, it's a leap of faith to sure. believe in the Christmas story. Sure. I mean, right. there's a lot of the miraculous. You know, sure. we, have, we have a big old star. We have mm -hmm. angels. Mm -hmm. We have a, the angel Gabriel come into Mary. You know, we have a, a baby, you know, born by the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. you know, we right. have, there's just a lot of, there's a leap here. Mm -hmm. So, which would be faith, you know, mm -hmm. we're taking in faith that mm -hmm. God has unfolded this story of hope for us. That's right. Um, so what, what, if you had to define what that means to have faith? So I like the definition in Hebrews, uh, Hebrews 11, one, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And that's where I think, you know, faith and hope can often be uh, interchangeable, right? But I think that, um, you know, having faith, you know, especially in this kind of post-enlightenment, very scientific world, it, it basically means accepting the fact that we can't explain everything. Mm -hmm. And we need to, sometimes we just need to stop trying. Now, I'm all for an intellectual faith that is consistent with you know, science and, 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 you know, research and all of that. But there comes a point in time when you can't explain everything. Right. And, and even physicians and uh, scientists will say that can only get you so far before you have to take that leap. Right? right. So, so I think living in faith means that you accept things knowing that you can't explain them all. I also think that, it, that a big part of living in faith means that you learn to trust in God. And we talk a lot about trusting in God but we, we often don't do that. 
we, 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 we act like we're in control of everything. And then if we can't control it, then we worry about it. And at some point we have to just take a step back and trust in God. Mm-hmm. And that's hard. Um, I think that's really hard for educated, uh, high achieving, affluent people because they're used to controlling so many things in their careers and their families, you know, and, and so admitting that we, there are things we don't have control over. In fact, there's probably more things that we don't have control over than we do. Um, that really requires, uh, taking a huge leap. And so I think that a big part of faith is trusting in God. And, and, and then you've heard me say this. I think I've always said that faith is not uh, because you have faith, it doesn't mean that life is going to work out the way you want it to. Mm-hmm. It's just not. We right. all know that, right? right. Um, you know, but it does mean that no matter what happens in life, that that you're going to be okay. That God's going to take care of you. That you're going to get through. And the, and the only way you really know that is when you look back on your life and you look at situations when you were devastated or broken or lost or felt like you were at the end of your rope and you realize that, that God, with the help of other people and perhaps even through other people, carried you through it. Right. And so a big part of faith is saying that even though life doesn't pan out the way that I had envisioned or I have in mind, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. God says all will be well. All will be well. Right. That's right. And I think sometimes we behave as though all will not be well because we're so afraid of what might or might what happen. could happen. Right. And, um, and we, we have to trust more. We have to um, understand that lots of things come our way um, and it may not be what we want or what we plan, but, but it's going to be okay. And God will take care of us. Clay, yes, say it again. (laughs) That's what we need to all hear. I mean, I feel like so far, you know, it's this idea of us just finding the peace and and maybe that finding the peace, you know, it's not going to happen unless we do trust. That's right. Right? And I think you're right when you say, I think it it is against the fiber of our humanity to trust sure. what we cannot see, right. what we cannot prove, right. what we cannot just know definitively is going to happen. Right. And um, the reality is that it, we don't know what's going to happen when you leave my house today. Sure. Right. I mean, right. every day we, every minute, every step really sure. is a mystery. Well, and that goes back to, to not taking another day for granted to not, you know, not pretending like we're going to be here forever. Right. Not putting things off because you think you'll always have a ton of time, you know, to do it. I mean, you know, seizing the moment, living in the present and um, and not acting like you'll be here forever right. because you just don't know. Well, and we did the lecture together with A.J. Levine and, and where she talked about the um, uh, the Jesus's prayer. And she says, you know, but basically what I think Jesus is saying in the Lord's prayer is you should live as if today is your last day. Right. And if you actually live as if today is your last day, mm-hmm. then you're living. Well, and that's like, what Je- and that's what Jesus said in the in the worry passage in the Sermon on the Mount. You know, could any of you by worrying at a single hour to your span of life? You know, don't worry about tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow will bring troubles of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. So live life one day at a time. Deal with the things that you have on your plate today. Be present with the people that you're around today. Love your children today. Take care of yourself today. Mm-hmm. Um, look, you know, check on other people today. 
And, and that's all you can do. I mean, that's all you can do. And, and we, can, we can worry and we can get anxious and we can, um, and we can fret, but it doesn't accomplish anything. No, it doesn't. It actually diminishes us. That's right. Right? Well, it dims our it? light. It wears I mean, us we out. Just, it does. It wears our light and we, um, we're, lesser, we're lesser versions of ourselves when we're caught in that tangle of, of worrying. Well, and you know, even though I'm worrying like crazy about teenagers right now, but well, and that's still... right. As your kids get as your kids get older, it's, you still yeah. worry. It's just a different kind of you know a kind of worry, right? I right. mean, um, it, it you know you you always worry about your children. You always worry about the things in life that you care about the most. I know. You know, so, so you worry about your children. You know, you you worry about your health. You worry about your you know your job um, or your friends because that, those are the things that matter. I mean, we're not going to worry about things that aren't important to us. So, you know, you could even argue that we worry because there are things that matter and, and we're afraid of losing them or we're, we're afraid of, of having something happen to them. Right. But at the end of the day, just because you love your children, you don't lock them up in your house and never let them go out. They have to go live their lives. Some Friday nights I do. Well, that's right. <laughs> that might be, that could be smart, you know, oh, but, but for the most part, they have to go out and live their lives. They have to go out and, 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 and you know, make their own decisions, especially as they get older. And, um, and what you just, you know, you pray that you've raised them in a way to where they're going to make good decisions and things are going to be okay. Right. Yeah. I find myself saying, and maybe this is a prayer, God, I want to trust you mm -hmm. instead of saying, I'm going to trust you. Mm -hmm. Right. So I feel like I live on that edge of, um, I want to trust you, God. I really do. Like every fiber cell of my being wants to trust you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so often though, I just, I just hold back just that little bit instead of just completely surrendering, saying, I'm just going to trust you with this. Right. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm worried about, you know, saying something for Izzy for the funeral on Thursday. Mm -hmm. And I just, at some point I'm just going to have to say, God, I got to trust you to speak through me. Um, and I, it's the same thing with parenting. It's mm -hmm. the same thing in my marriage. It's the same thing about, you know, our, our parents and, right. and wanting them to be healthy and here right. forever. And, sure. um, all of those things that I have to, I have to make that leap and just say, okay, I'm going to trust you, but again, right? I'm going to trust you. But it goes back to if something, if, when something bad happens, you realize that it's not easy to get through but you can make it through it. I know. And that's, you know, but I think we, we kind of live in this age where, you know, people, parents will do everything they can to keep their kids from failing, to keep their kids from experiencing pain. And that's just not realistic. Right. You know, pain is a part of life. Struggle is a part of life. Fear is a part of life. And so we have to learn to live with all those things. And then we have to trust that when, if things happen that we don't want, that it's going to be okay. And God will see us through. God will see us through and God will give us the strength. And, and, you know, and the question you'll get from people, especially people who aren't, uh, they don't have faith. They'll say, you know, where is your God when this happened? Where is your God? You know, why would God take a young mother with three kids? Why would God cause this car to go off the cliff? Why, you know, those are the questions that people want to throw at people mm -hmm. of faith. It's the theodicy question. If God is all loving and all powerful and omnipotent, then why do all these terrible things happen? And, you know, and again, we never get satisfactory answers, but the only answer that I can come up with is God does not control everything because God loves the creation. And you don't, when you love something, you don't control it. 
You love your children so you don't control their every move and action. You let them live their life. Well, we have free will. God lets us live our lives and God has to operate by the same rules. God hopes we will make good decisions. God hopes that we will love each other. God hopes that we will support each other, but we can choose the opposite. And, um, And bad things can happen. You know, the gravity that keeps us tied to the earth uh, also leads to car wrecks. <laughs> you, you, you can't have one without the other. Right. And so, um, so I think that, you know, we, we, we don't get the answers that we want. And sometimes we don't even get the answers that satisfy, but we have to trust that life's going to be okay. And, we're and gonna I get think that's it. why the relevance, there is relevance to the Christmas story because it's human beings, ordinary human beings like me and you, right. who who did it. I mean, they trusted. Right. So they just, without faith, they just, you know, they just decided, you know what? I'm going to trust. I'm going to trust mm-hmm. God, and I'm just going to see where that leads me. And I think we all could do better at that. Well, but what also makes Christmas so amazing is that we know the rest of the story, too. Right. We know that, that that baby that was born in Bethlehem grew up. And he became, you know, not only a moral teacher, but a healer. Mm-hmm. He did miracles, you know, and, and then ultimately, you know, he was executed um, and and resurrected. And so we're also looking at the Christmas story through the hindsight lens of what happened after that. And right. so the reason that Jesus is the Messiah, the savior of the world um, is because he offers to the world what the world needs more than anything, including faith in life after death, that death to this life is not the end. But just as importantly as that, he offers us life before death, mm-hmm. that we can bring the kingdom of God to earth as it is in heaven, that we can that we can love other people the way that we want to be loved, that we can show mercy to people that are struggling, that don't have food, that don't have shelter, that don't have clothing, that we can, you know, we can be ambassadors of hope for people that are struggling. I mean, that's the promise, you yeah. know? And, and so we look at the Christmas story through the rest of Jesus's life, and that's what makes it so powerful. Right. So true. Okay, so I, I end every conversation, which I cannot believe we're ending, because I could talk to you for ever. But, um, you know, hope is, hope is what it's all about for me. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I just want to always have hope. It's the great fear that, that you'll find yourself in a place where you don't. And, and so I just consistently just really, really trying to find the hope Mm -hmm. and then also give, give the hope. Um, what is your definition of hope? My definition of hope, my definition of hope is, is, is tied into my definition of faith. But my definition of hope is that we, that we don't ever get to a place where we just look backwards, but we're always looking forward and we, we learn from the past and we, and we, you know, we grieve the past and we change from it. But, but we always have, have hope that things are going to be better that things don't have to be the same. And so it, for me, hope is a matter of looking forward. And, and, and it's, it, it, it's, it, it means you have a, a positive perspective. I mean, you've heard me say, and you believe the same thing, that, 
the world is so full of cynical and negative people and there's so many critics and there's so many people that will always tell you why you can't do something and what's wrong with this or that. And so what the world needs are people that are full of hope that radiate warmth and energy mm -hmm. to other people, which is one of your true gifts. That is what it means to live in hope, to live as though things can always be better and that pain doesn't last and that death doesn't have the final say. And, and that and, love and, prevails. And that love prevails. That's right. And, and that's, you know, that's what we celebrate at Christmas. I mean, you think about the hymns that we sing, you know, um, Maldi lays his glory by, born that we no more may die, born to raise us from the earth, born to give us second birth. Um, you know, we sing these hymns like they're just old hat, but the, the, the lyrics are amazing when you actually read them. And so Christmas is a time where, you know, we are called to believe that God came into the world and God, you know, brought hope 2000 years ago. And God continues to bring hope even into the darkest of situations. And then like uh, Isaiah says, you know, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. And sometimes the darkest situations, that's where the light shines the brightest. The brightest. That's right. For sure. So. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yeah, that was yep. great.